to you. Thank you so much. So speaking of the diaspora, I was told that Rudy Cool was here this morning. Where are you, Rudy? There you are. Is that your family, Rudy? Ah, oh, wonderful. Honored to meet you. Uh, Rudy is from Germany and is part of our community of faith. And been a great support and a great care for our community for a long time. So thank God you're here this morning. Welcome back to St. Monica's. We love you. Thank you. So my brothers and sisters, our Holy Father's been in Portugal for the youth of the world. He said mass this morning for, I think, a million five hundred thousand people. Now that's a crowd. <laughs> and he's, they have to wheel him in and wheel him out, but by golly, when he's there, he's on fire. So it's amazing to see his um, incredible remarks all during this week. He said the same thing at a youth day event and then at Fatima. He took a two-hour drive from Lisbon to Fatima to visit the place of the apparition. And he said that this church of ours, this church, is a community where no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you don't know, no matter how much you've struggled in life or how good you are, you are welcome here. He said, this church is for everyone. And he kept repeating in Spanish, todos, todos, todos. And the kids screamed back to him, Todos! Isn't that wonderful? That this great man, this old man, has such a heart for the human condition. Knowing the struggles, knowing the pain, knowing all the stuff of life, and still, without hesitation, saying, you're part of us. You're part of the body of Jesus Christ. He said in Fatima, the home of Mary, he said, in the home of Mary, everyone is welcome. Todos. So that's my word from Pope Francis today. <laughs> I think it's a good word, and I'm grateful to him. He's going back for the synod, and of course, as you know, he's inviting more than just bishops this time. He's inviting regular priests, He's inviting, inviting laity, men and women, young people, old people, to really listen to what they have to say about what our church needs to do and to be and be a part of. So we'll see what comes of that. Great man, great man. So pray for him, pray for his health, pray for his love, pray for his life. 
Today is the transfiguration of our blessed Lord. It's a beautiful day, beautiful feast day. And the book of Daniel, chapter 7, which is the first reading today, describes four opportunities. When the Persians, the Babylonians, the Romans, and then finally the Messiah come. And since the Babylonians and the Persians and the Romans who are still hanging on were about there, there was a high intensity of looking for a Messiah. The Messiah that was described in Daniel chapter 7 that we first read today. You got to read it again. It's quite a chapter. It's an interesting chapter. And he describes what it's like when the Messiah will come. In dazzling white, in a bright light, as his glorious Messiah, the Son of God. So what we have is the great story of the transfiguration. Many say that it happened on Tabor. Lots of authors suggest Tabor, even though it's very close to where he lived, was not the place where the mount took place, although they had the chapel there to remember it, to, to recognize his, the presence of that transfiguration. Because there were garrisons, there were military all up and down that mountain but that he probably went all the way up to Caesarea Philippi, to Mount Hermon. Now that's a huge old mountain. I don't know how he ever got up there. But in any case, wherever he was, with his disciples, his three companions, Peter, James, and John, there was that great transfiguration. There was a change in his appearance, and how he looked, and how he acted, and what went on. So I saw this little story from Anthony DeMello. I'd like to share it with you because in the beginning of my little reflection today, well, I'm actually not in the beginning. I'm, I'm always in it, so don't worry. Um, Anthony, as you know, was a great prophet and died way too young. He, I don't know what happened to him, but he just uh, collapsed. And um, we lost a genius, really, of the spiritual journey. So it was too bad that he died so, so, so early in life because he was at his best. He said, I was a revolutionary when I was young. And all my prayer to God was, Lord, give me the grace to change the world. As I approached middle age and realized that half of my life was gone without changing a single soul, I changed my prayer to, Lord, give me the grace to change all those who come in contact with me, my family, my friends, and I will be satisfied. And now that I'm an old man and my days are numbered, I've begun to see how foolish I have been. My one prayer now is, Lord, give me the grace to change myself. Myself. Now I offer that to you because transfiguration means change, difference in our lives. And this week I had a wonderful encounter with a very, very dear friend of mine who I've known for so many years. He got some news that was disappointing for him, and I knew he was angry about it. So I called him again, just to make sure he was okay. And I called him again a third time. 
And this morning, at 7 o'clock, he called me. And he said, you know, I took it to prayer. And I came to see that it was the right decision. Not the one I wanted, but the right decision. And that I get so upset because it's not the way I think it should be. I've got to change my heart so that I accept what our God offers us as his way. That was a great teaching for me. Because I'm the same. If I don't get my way, look out. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's my way or the highway. You can always tell them the region, you just can't tell them much. You know, that's, that's the story. And it's the truth. It's not necessarily what we think. So the change that comes is when we realize that God has everything to do with our life. And that ultimately and finally, his will be done. And if it's done, it will be far, far better than whatever I had hoped or dreamed. That's what he said to me, and I believe that. Now for the transfiguration itself, there are now Tabor, or Mount Hermon. His three disciples are there, and Moses and Elijah appear. And there's this dazzling look of Jesus. He's all lit up. His face shines. His body is white with like snow. And it stuns the disciples. And they hear this word. This is my beloved son. I am well pleased. So what does Peter do? Peter does what he always does. Let's make sure we keep this. This is a lot better than what we've had. We'll build tents. You can stay here, Moses and Elijah, and let Jesus shine. That'll make people go to their knees. And our Lord says, Peter, don't be afraid. All will be well. And he goes back to his normal state. And they come down the mountain. And he tells Peter not to share this event with anyone until after his resurrection. What does that mean? Well, I thought about it. And I think what it means is this. The passion is predicted before the transfiguration takes place. He talks about his death, his imminent death that's about to happen. He's transfigured. He comes down the mountain. And once again, he predicts his passion and his death. I think what he's trying to say to us 
There's no glory, no glory without suffering. And my brothers and sisters, that's not something we need to want to hear. We need to hear it, but we don't want to hear it. When we have difficulties, struggles, painful experiences, we shudder from it. We run from it. We pray that God will take it away from us, don't we? I do. And somehow I don't think I always see God's incredible hand purifying the soul, the heart, so that we then can appreciate his incredible gift of love and glory. Now I know I'm a lot older than anybody in this church. I think. <laughs> and I got to tell you, the gift of length of years is a blessing. Not everybody gets it. I got it. The gift of length of years. So there's something beautiful about it. This last chapter of life is peaceful. And there's wisdom and there's grace and there's huge blessing. But right alongside that, I'm seeing every doctor in Santa Monica. <laughs> I say to myself someday, when in the hell is this going to end? Some of my doctors are watching me on live stream and I love you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but wow I never thought I'd see doctors so much in my life I used to evade them no more so there is the vicissitudes the, 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 the weakening and there is glory there is glory so brothers and sisters Let's think about that today. Wouldn't it be wonderful for us if when we received some great news that's difficult to manage, not just about our health, about our life, about our love, about whatever it is, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could look at it as a source out of which we one day see our God face to face. I know in my heart, my brothers and sisters, I know this for sure, that when that time does come, our blessed Lord, if we're listening, our blessed Lord will give us every ounce of courage and hope and belief in him. We will long for his glory. Yes, we will. Why? 
because we've gone through all the other stuff. <laughs> we know what it is, and we know what we have, and we know that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is right there, right with us, every step of the way, and says to us, as he said to Peter, be not afraid. Amen. I love you.